0: Hey, hey, everybody. We are back for day four of the Lori Vallow Daybell trial, part two. So, you know what that means. Our legal correspondent, Amy, who is attending every day of the trial so that she can report on it for us, is back for her summary for the second half of day four. Amy, take it from here. Hey, Sojo. Good afternoon, all. So, this afternoon was not really earth shattering. But first of all, before I forget again, there was one. Very important thing I forgot to mention in the earlier episode when I was discussing Melanie's testimony and that she believed that Alex was 100% convinced that zombies were real. Melanie had at one point asked Alex about what happened to JJ. Alex's response to her was quote, you don't want to know unquote. I mean, let that sink in. I just want to say, what does that tell us? I can't. Anyway, okay, moving on. When we returned from lunch, Melanie's cross continued. Thomas asked Melanie to describe her relationship with Tylee. He insinuates that Tylee and Melanie didn't get along. Melanie doesn't agree with that. She said that she was always kind to Tylee and that she is kind to everyone. Then Thomas asked Melanie if She knows anything about Charles's life insurance money, and Melanie denies knowing anything about that. Thomas asks Melanie about the recorded phone call between her, Lori, and Chad, and confirms that she had been in contact with the police prior to making the recording. She also confirms that after the recorded conversation, she contacted Detective Pillar with the Gilbert Police Department, and then she handed the recording over to them. Thomas then asks Melanie what she knows about portals. She explained that Lori had a portal in her closet and Chad had one on his bed or in his bedroom. I didn't quite catch exactly what she said. And that is how they would communicate with each other when they were apart from each other, like in these portals. Thomas asks Melanie about Korahor and who that is. She tells him that is an antichrist in the Book of Mormon. This is significant because during the recorded call, Melanie compared Lori to Korihor. Thomas then asks Melanie if she had any reason to think that Lori wasn't in Hawaii when Tammy was murdered. Melanie says that she thought she was in Hawaii at the time. Thomas asks Melanie to reflect on her conversation with Alex when he was telling her that he believed in zombies. She said that he totally thought they did and again mentions that when she asked him about what happened to JJ, he responded, quote, you don't want to know. She says that Alex also mentioned that Lori thought people were after her, including the police. She told him she thought the police might have broken into her house and stole money and that the police took Chad's guns. Melanie said Alex told her that Chad gave him a blessing after his honeymoon with Sulima, and how much it meant to him that he received that blessing. At this time, Blake begins her redirect. She asks Melanie if she has been around other teenage kids, and Melanie states that Tylee's attitude was just a normal teenage response. Melanie mentions that she flew to Hawaii in February of 2019 and that Lori and Chad were in constant contact with each other multiple times during the day. At some point during that trip, Lori told Melanie that Melanie had been on Earth before. Melanie expressed that she had really wanted to believe that. Blake asks Melanie about why she recorded that phone call between Melanie, Lori, and Chad. She stated that she was concerned that Lori and Chad were going to try and blame her for something. Blake asks Melanie that when Lori deemed someone a zombie, were they then gone? Melanie said if people began to question them, they became dark. Blake asked Melanie who Lori considered dark, and Melanie listed Charles, Tammy, Tylee, JJ as zombies, and that Alex was her protector. At this time, Melanie is excused and released. Next on the witness stand, we have Detective Nathan Duncan of the Chandler Police Department in Arizona. Lindsay Blake will be doing the questioning of this witness. Duncan gives his law enforcement background and later explains that the original lead investigator on the Charles Dable shooting was Detective Nathan Moffitt. Moffitt was promoted in June of 2020 and Detective Duncan took over as lead investigator for this case. According to the 911 call logs, police were dispatched to the address on Four Peaks in Chandler, Arizona on July 11th, 2019 at 8.37 in the morning in response to a shooting. Alex Cox told police that he shot Charles Fallow twice in the chest in self-defense. Detective Duncan describes that Charles was laying on his back on the hardwood floor. Initially, they only saw one gunshot wound to his lower left abdomen. They recovered two shell casings. There was also a bullet on the floor beside Charles, which he states was very odd. He also noted that there was very little blood at the scene and that there was no blood spatter. Detective Duncan explained that the medical examiner later noticed a second gunshot wound in the center of Charles' chest. It had been hidden by some sort of medical material. I didn't catch exactly what the terminology was, but it, something that had been then placed on Charles' chest by the medics, so it was hiding the, that gunshot. Additionally, when the medical examiner rolled the body over, there was another gunshot wound located to his upper left back. When asked if it was an exit or an entry wound, Duncan said that that is not something that he can determine. Duncan hit heavy on the fact that he did not feel any attempts were made to do CPR. He explained that in his experience, if someone has a gunshot wound to the chest and CPR is performed, there would have been significantly more blood. He stated that he did not see the blood he would have expected to see if CPR had in fact been performed. He also noted that Charles had some abrasions on his knees, but as far as the room and the furniture and his surroundings, he said, There was no indication that two adult men had been fighting. Blake asked Duncan if there was any other blood anywhere else at the scene, and Duncan noted that there was a small amount of blood somewhere else, but I couldn't make out what was said, so sorry about that. Duncan then added that there was a projectile found in a baseboard, and that the baseboard was cut out, and both the baseboard and the projectile were collected into evidence. Duncan then explained that they later brought Alex Cox back into the area to do what they called a walkthrough. It was interesting. The way I interpreted it was that they actually cleaned up the scene so that there was no indication to Alex where things were. They just wanted to get from his, you know, for his memory. So before they did the walkthrough, again, this is how I interpreted this. Before they did the walkthrough, they cleaned everything up. And there was an indentation, he called it like a strike mark, on the floor under where Charles' body would have been. They compared it to the area around the floor. There was no other indentation like that on the floor. Based on the evidence at the scene, they determined that Alex would have had to have shot the second shot when Charles was on the floor. Duncan said that the shooting was determined to be a homicide. During their investigation into the death of Charles Fallow, the police became aware that Lori thought Charles was a dark spirit. They were able to obtain Charles's phone from Lori. They examined Charles's email accounts and phone records, as well as Lori's iCloud account. At this time, the state asks to admit into evidence a PowerPoint presentation that describes the digital information that they have recovered. The defense objects, saying that they have not had time to look at the information. There is a sidebar that leads into a break. They will revisit the PowerPoint presentation tomorrow. Blake asks Duncan about a phone call that Chad Daybell made to a mortuary in Arizona after Charles was murdered. The call is Chad telling the mortuary operator that they just had a death in the family and they are looking for pricing on a cremation. Here is that call. Not my answer.
1: You're home? Hello,
0: my name is. I'm with their calls. How can I help you
2: today?
1: Um, we just had a death in the family and we really don't want anything but a cremation and then to send the cremains to a family in Louisiana. It's just a simple, no, nothing other than a cremation and sending them to the family for their service in Louisiana. So, is, is there any way to know a ballpark price on that?
2: Yes, yeah. and I'm sorry for the law. Thank you. Thank you. Let me transfer you over to a director who can assist you with the pricing. Uh, what is your uh, name, please? It, you? it is Chad Babel. How do you spell uh, the last name, please? D-A-B-A-L, Babel. How are you related to the person at Cal?
1: I'm his nephew.
2: And then also, this is for the Valley of the songs and Chandler, correct? Yes. Thank you.
1: Thank yes, he lives in Chandler. I live in Iowa. So oh.
2: Oh, okay, thank you. Yes, what's um, mm-hmm. um, your uncle's name for reference, please?
1: He is John Babel. Thank
2: The name?
1: Well, yes. B-A-B-A-L. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, John. Uh-huh.
2: Do you have a middle name? Myron. M-Y-R-O-N?
1: Yeah.
2: And, Tim, what is your phone number in case you get disconnected? Yes,
1: this number 515-515.
2: Actually, no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. Is he at a nursing home hospital or Residence? resident?
1: He passed away in a hospital. I don't know the details. i telling
2: you. Yeah, it's just for, um, to know, because sometimes it's different if it's a residential or hospital. Oh. Home. I'm speaking yeah.
1: there. Spinning to the medical examiner. I'm not sure. I should have had more information before I called. I'm sorry. Oh, that's
2: Okay. <laughs> information with shipping to which, um, which Which city?
1: New Orleans.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of I'm but stay on the line. Let me transfer okay. you over to the director who can assist you with that. Right. Mm-hmm. thank you. Hello, Chad. Yeah. Thank you for holding. I do have to direct your call. Thank you Okay, thank you. Thank you. Hi. Uh, my name you know, Director, was thought it was his my friend, son, my screen. I understand thank that you your uncle passed away.
1: Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm just starting the process for the family. He didn't have many relatives. i his nephew. I live in Iowa, um, but
2: what they want to do
1: yeah, sad to see him go. And I think he's going to the medical examiner. I don't know all the details, but what the family basically wants is just to have him cremated there in Chandler, and then ship, have his cremated ship to New Orleans, okay. and we'll deal with the service later. <laughs>
2: trying to get a ballpark price. Okay. Um, so for um, we are able to do our commission for $1,695. Now, what that's going to include is the transportation into our care, the transportation to and from our maturity, our basic mm-hmm. professional fees, <laughs> as well as our um, crematory fees. Yeah, there's going to be a couple other charges there for you. Um, okay. So we are going to have death um, certificates, which are $20 a piece with the processing fee. Okay. $15 permit fee. Okay. And then we're able to do that transfer um, through the mail for you, and that's $150 fee for you. Okay. You need like okay. the EPS or something, I
1: guess? <laughs> Okay. So close, about 2000 probably, kind of a ballpark. Yeah. Close to, that. Okay. Well, that helps me a lot. I'm going to recall one or two others, but I'll get back to you if you come that direction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. leave anything else. Yeah, call.
2: Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Duncan notes that the call to the mortuary was placed the evening of Charles' death. While examining Lori's iCloud account, Duncan found what he referred to as a patriarchal blessing for Alex Cox. This is the same blessing that Alex had told Melanie about. There was both a text document and an audio recording of this blessing on her iCloud account. Chad and Lori can both be heard on the recording. Duncan further explains that blessings are part of the LDS beliefs and that they are given by people of authority at the church. And that brings us to the end of our fourth day in the Vallow trial. I will see you tomorrow for day five.